And welcome to the second of our player interview series here at Tiger Line Report at WoodwardTigers.com. I'm Rogelio Casillo, and i Chris Brown and Connor. And today we have the number one prospect on the Tigers Minor League Report prospect list. And to us, it was some it was a no-brainer, but some people want to argue with us, but whatever, it's fine. I don't care. Um, we have Colton Keith, or Colt Keith, if you will, and he's joining us on the podcast today. And we ask this question for anybody or for a first-time guest what is your earliest baseball memory um i don't have one specific memory i would say but there's a few glimpses from t-ball um where i was I, all i can remember is just swinging as hard as i could and just kept running no matter what um like any t-ball game oh shoot um <laughs> and the other one i can i do remember very clearly was t-ball where my dad wasn't wasn't pitching it was one of my buddy's dads but we had the most stacked team ever and uh that our our coach would throw too hard i guess and we got in trouble for it but we would all just hit like probably average like five or six homers in inning because the fences were like 150 feet but just remember having fun with those guys um that was up in southeast ohio when i was really young um that was probably the first one though like the first real memory I remember having really a lot of fun in baseball. So, I like awesome. that. so you're from Ohio, not Mississippi. Yeah. I was born in Zanesville, Ohio, which is uh, Southeast um, Ohio, kind of near West Virginia border. Um, uh, it's a real small town. So, okay. So you've experienced the cold a little, little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. just kind of talking about your youth days, what was it like being Gatorade player of the year in Mississippi Mm, it was a it was a great honor I honestly didn't expect it because um I I knew I had the stats for it and you know our team was a really good team this we had the 6a team like we weren't like a 3a anything like that so I knew I had everything to get it but usually for me personally that stuff just doesn't happen um I don't get the lucky stuff like that um usually it goes to someone else um maybe at a bigger school or has a bigger name type deal. So I was really happy when I finally got that and I was able to, I mean, that's just like a huge thing to put beside my name. I mean, at the draft, um, you know, they were talking about it. That was the first thing they say, anything on Twitter, it's always the first thing they say. So it's great to get that. It's, it's, you know, I got a really cool backpack and a trophy that I, I still have the backpack, but, um, but it was awesome. And, and, you know, I felt like I earned it. And so I was really happy to see that go my way. No, and, and so you mentioned you, you grew up in Ohio, or at least you started in Ohio. I feel like from reading about you that you also ended up in Utah and Arizona before Mississippi. Is that right? Were, were there? Yeah. 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 So um, I was really, I was really blessed with parents that saw um, the need to get out of Southeast Ohio to play sports. Um, you didn't have to, you know, that. yeah. I mean, so I, I wrestled, my dad was a, he used to wrestle in college and he was a wrestling coach. So I wrestled and, you know, I, I loved wrestling, but I also really loved baseball and they saw that. So, and my brother was really good at school and really good at wrestling. And so they got us out of there and, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a flexible jobs where we could move around. So the first move was to Utah, uh, Southern Utah in a little town called St. George. Uh, it's about two hours from Las Vegas. And, um, spent about four years there and I really started to blossom in baseball. And that's where I started. I always, I was always really good at wrestling and baseball was kind of second. Um, 
but I really started to start to get my butt kicked a little bit in wrestling um, out there. And I started to really blossom in baseball. And so what happened was I started in, in Utah playing all these tournaments and stuff. And we ended up playing in Vegas a lot more or Phoenix a lot more just because like, that's where all the better tournaments were, all the better players were. Um, I actually played for a team called ABD and I'm not sure what it stands for, but the coach was the coach at college Southern Nevada, who that's where Bryce Harper went before he got drafted. Um, and he suggested that we move to Phoenix for better competition in high school, uh, you know, potentially commit to a college there. Um, you know, if I can perform in the high school ranks there, um, and, you know, potentially get drafted one day, but he, he basically said it's a better chance to go down there in that hotbed. And, uh, you know, he turned out to be right. I moved down there for my freshman year of high school, did okay. Sophomore year came out, batted five fifteen, five twenty, 520 in, in the, uh, you know, six A baseball out there, which is really big deal. You know, that year it was me, uh, Matthew Libertor, Nolan Gorman. Um, those were the big three for the Gatorade Play of the Year. They ended up getting Co-Player of the Year for Gorman and Libertor. But um, you know, I was up there with those guys. Ended up committing to Arizona State right there. Um, and then my mom and I. So after I committed, we my mom got a really good job offer in Mississippi where she could have a license here. And, um, so we ended up making the move. We found a really nice high school down here in Biloxi. Um, and my agent lives around here. He lives in Louisiana, but it's really close. So it was, it was the move made sense for the family and, and my brother and I, and plus I was already committed to a college. So came down here junior and senior year, my high school years and played really well and ended up getting myself drafted. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I I kind of assumed that you were following around your mom for most of that, and and not actually you know that your parents kind of making those sacrifices for you. Because I I was just I think about moving and I think about how tough it can be sometimes, especially uh, you know if you're a kid. But if you play sports and you happen to be really good at them, that's that's a good way to make friends. But like, mm-hmm. was it ever a time where you had to move like in the middle of a season or something like that? No, no, all these moves were coordinated really well um, after seasons or you know, timed really well, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was a combination between my parents with the jobs and they would, you know, weigh the positives and negatives of my brother going to a better school, getting better schooling and, and, you know, me getting on a better team and getting around more scouts and et cetera. But, um, no, I mean, personally for me, it wasn't a problem. I'm really social guy. I mean, I made friends so fast everywhere. I mean, I have friends in every single state that I lived in and lifelong, so it wasn't a problem at all for me. Uh, my brother's very similar situation. Um, he was a wrestler and didn't end up getting anywhere for wrestling, but now he goes to Ohio State for vet school, and he has friends from every single state, and, you know, it wasn't really a problem for us. I can see how it could have been a problem, but me and my brother happened to be really socially um, advanced for our ages, and we made friends really fast. It wasn't a problem, so. And it kind of leads up to the draft day experience. I mean, what will talk us through how that was going? I mean, you're here. You are you? You knew you were confident that you were going to get drafted. You had shown the ability, even as a pitcher too, and a lefty at that too, because it's always lefties that always attract interest. But talk about how the whole day went for you. Oh um, well, usually those are people's stories are really positive. Um, mine had a really big positive, obviously getting in the 
Detroit Tigers system, which I'm really glad to be in and ended up working out perfectly. But, um, you know, I, I saw myself and my agent saw me going into second to third round, somewhere around there. And once it, that passed and, you know, people were calling, but they didn't expect me to take that kind of money. I guess they, we were, we really were pushing that I wanted to go to school because just for the leverage type deal to get more money, I guess. But, um, you know, in my mind, I didn't want to go to school. Um, but I was just kind of game plan that fell apart, kind of back, backfired on us. But, you know, in the fifth round, um, we, we, the Tigers called and asked, well, you know, what the deal was, we like were ready to go, you know? And so gave the offer and it happened like that, but it was a roller coaster of emotions that day. It was, you know, down, 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 went to go to college for three years, which a lot of guys, not a problem, but for me, I really felt like I could get into pro ball and Excel, but, um, you know, college ain't too bad, but I didn't want to go to school. I hated school, man. <laughs> but uh, so ended up getting it done and, and signed, and that was it. I mean, it's lower than I wanted to, but, you know, I ended up with the Detroit Tigers where they're in a rebuild stage, and, uh, you know, I got a really good opportunity to get up there quick. Yeah, you know, that's fascinating because I was I was going to talk to you about that because I think around the draft time you were ranked to the people who do this sort of thing, you were ranked kind of like between the 50, 50 and 75, I think around there mm -hmm. in terms of prospects in the draft, which is like a second round, early third rounder. And so, yeah, I was always curious if you guys had a number that you wouldn't come off of, or if it was just like the Tigers just like check it in and you were like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like were there yeah. other teams saying like, I'm going to, we're going to take you here and then to pass you over. Yeah. There was a few of those, um, a few teams where they were going to pick me and then they ended up picking someone else. And then they ended up not having another pick for a few more rounds, stuff like that. Um, and you know, it was, that's what, that was terrible. It happened like three times. Like they were supposed to pick me and then ended up picking someone else. Um, you know, you know, that probably had the things, a uh, couple of things made that happen probably because the COVID year I only played like, I don't know, like 10 games or something or eight games in my senior year didn't play the best I wanted to like, you know, just never got to the groove. And, you know, obviously uh, I was a high school guy in a shortened draft. It's a riskier pick. Um, but, you know, I, I don't blame anybody. It's, it's whatever. And I ended up in the situation where I'm at and happy with it. So. Well, and for people like us, you know, we, we pay very close attention to the tigers, you know, for the most part. And, and for, you know, it was a really unusual pick at the time. I, at, for for the Tigers, they they almost never take mm -hmm. high school kids after the first second round, and mm -hmm. I almost thought that was like okay, this this has got to be insurance for like if they don't sign Gage Workman or something like that. And right. then I found out you signed. I was like, wow, that's that's awesome because you know once once those high school kids get past the second third round, you assume they're going to school, and so yeah, I mean, and and I think the result, uh, I don't, I, I think the Tigers must be absolutely thrilled, and, and hopefully mm -hmm. uh, you're you're itching to to prove the other teams wrong. Yeah, I guess you could say that I am mentioned to prove the other uh, teams wrong, you know, hopefully one day um, I get the Mookie Betts treatment where they're like, how'd this guy go in the fifth round? I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. And that's my goal. That's one of my goals is to teams to look back and be like, what were we doing? You know, what went wrong? And, you know, hopefully change their ways and pick some riskier picks and hopefully they work out more. But, uh, you know, that's my goal is to be the Mookie Betts type guy. Yes, I, I had the question, um, when you got drafted or going through the draft process, was there any talk of you being a two-way player, even as just like a reliever, or were you just sticking to third base? Yeah, there was a lot of guys um, talking about pitching and maybe two-waying until I 
pick one up and, you know, maybe high A or double A, I guess. But um, for me personally, I didn't want to pitch. Um, my arm always hurt, hated it. I didn't hate it. I loved pitching at the time, but like after my arm hurt, um, you know, it ended up uh, my arm, my shoulder came out of place or separated last year. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but my shoulder always hurt. My elbows always hurt. I could throw hard for a couple innings and just didn't have the stand because I didn't train like a pitcher. Didn't do what I was supposed to do. Um, but I always loved hitting. I felt it came easier to me than pitching and um, always had success with it. So, you know, I saw myself as a hitter and teams would say, you know, maybe one the pitch and me and my agent were kind of like, eh, you know, if you pay me a few million dollars, we'll think about it. But, you know, we're going to go there for hitting. I think that was a lot of teams knew that going into the draft as well. And one one of the things that stood out to me was even in high A, first year in high A in 2021, where you, you were just adjusting and getting used to, you're even showing the ability to hit to all fields. Then to start off the way you did, be one of only four Tigers to hit 300 for the year and and, and have such a great on-base pers- uh, presence. How much did it, I mean, as it sounds like a very stupid question, but how much did it suck to have that injury in the middle of the season where you figured out high A, I mean, you were, uh, there was a game in Lance. I remember you just, just balls were just going everywhere and you were able to hit and, and just work the counts really well. And something for us watching the prospect system for 20 years, just to see a, a, a hitter of your age, be that young to go and have that great pitch recognition. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I figured out high A. I would say I figured out myself and and how my swing mechanics work for me and i think it's just i matured um went from a small little 18 year old that you know not small but skinny at least and never learned how to lift or eat correctly to learn how to eat correctly learn how to you know see 98 and be able to make contact with it um yeah i think that just comes with time but you know after I mean, you guys can look look at the stats and all the metrics. I mean, I was a base hit guy. I was a slap hitter type guy. Um, you know, I batted above 300, but didn't have much power. And then, you know, I really wanted to have power. So I really looked at approach and, you know, my swing mechanics and figured it out. And you're right. Like I went up to high A and, and I raked and, um, you know, I was feeling great. At one point I was up to like three 340 at one point and I started lining out a lot. And went went down slowly as baseball that happens in baseball. But you know, when I got hurt, you know, it, it really was terrible. It was I can't I don't under I just my whole time that it happened, I was really like, how could I be so fragile that I just dive back to first base and my shoulder does this? That's unbelievable. And you know, I'm thinking, you know, two, three weeks I'm out. That's fine. Get back on get back in here and you know, get to double A and keep on going. But it just, it, it took forever to rehab. It took longer than expected. I think it's one of those injuries that just take a while, depending on person to person on how bad, I guess, the injury was. And I, mine just took a while to get back to throw. You know, it was my throwing shoulder, which didn't help. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was bad, but it was a really good learning experience. And, you know, that taught me that I need to focus on taking care of my body, my nutrition, and, you know, especially in season because, you know, if you don't do that in season, you deteriorate really fast. Um, you know, you get weak and then that's when you get hurt. So it is sucked, but it was a learning experience. You know, I'm glad it happened while I was so young and I was able and I'm able to learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again going forward or do the best I can 
do everything I can to make sure it doesn't happen again, at least. Yeah. So take me through a little bit through the rehab process. Was it more strengthening, mobilizing? Like what were some of the things that you were working on during that process? And, and how do you feel with some of the changes in the organization? Like now, do you feel like there's more resources with nutrition and, and weightlifting? Like what, what do you see? Yeah. Um, well, my rehab process started with just resting and, and letting it heal. Um, I think with what happened to me, there was just a ton of inflammation and fluid in there and there's not a lot of blood flow and it just, it just takes time. It takes time to get to heal. And then after it started to heal and, you know, it's feeling better, I was getting a lot of fluid out of there. Um, I started strengthening and stabilizing and, you know, keeping, keeping that joint stable and, and strong with muscles. You know, that took another month and a half, two months. And then I started throwing and I mean, throwing hurt really bad. Then the next day it'd feel a little better, like barely any better, 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 better until there was no pain at all. It felt good. And now I'm doing, you know, stabilization and strengthening exercises probably for the rest of my life um, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was just a long four months. It was mentally taxing. It was physically taxing. And, you know, I was, really glad I was able to get healthy before the fall league and, and be able to go out there and perform. But, um, but to address your other question with the strengthening and, and the resources of Detroit, it's insane. You know, I don't know if they gotten better in the last couple of years and never been hurt before, but you know, I had everything I needed. We had PTs in there answering every question I had and looking back how the questions were really stupid um, and selfish, but you know, they answered them, you know, cause they understood the situation and it, at the end of the day, they got me healthy. I mean, I was for, for my injury and how bad I was hurting at the beginning to get me healthy and that little time and get me out to the fall league and be able to stay healthy there. It was, it was top of the line. I mean, you know, and now they got um, a new, a bunch of nutritionists and that's what they're focusing on. And uh, you know, also lifting and, and mo uh, mobility and stretching and stuff like that. I mean, they got it down. They got the best guys in the game in there. And, you know, like I was satisfied from every aspect. I didn't have any complaints about the entire thing. And, you know, my shoulder was killing me every day and I have no complaints. You know, I, I got through it and looking back, there's nothing more that they could have done. Like it was, it was the best. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So we were going to ask you about that, the, the fall. Like how, how good did it feel to be able to get back out there on the field and, and let alone that, but you're also there basically kind of like an all-star league. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was awesome. You know, I was kind of nervous at the beginning just cause I haven't seen a baseball in four months. Um, got, you know, I thought it was going to be hitting was going to hurt me and I wasn't going to be able to hit and it was going to take an adjustment period, but I hit the ground running hitting and just slowly, you know, got better and better as the, the fall they went on. And by the end I had all the power I needed. I could put balls out of the yard. I was seeing that. Uh -oh. oh there we go and um i was seeing it easy and and seeing curveballs and stand on my backside and i was crushing baseballs i was hitting lasers it was easy it was fun um you know especially playing those guys it was it was great but you know what killed me is i guess not seeing those ground balls or seeing any any you know type of live balls off the bat um Man, that, I don't know what it was, but when I would, the ball would be hit to me at third, and my 
my eyes would just go blurry for some reason. Like I couldn't see the ball. It was so weird, you know, and it got better and better because I just took ground balls every day. And then, you know, it would get really good. Um, towards the end, I started getting a little better and I was seeing a better and being able to make first moves. But when I first went out there, I think just the four months of seeing nothing off a live bat, I think that really hurt me defensively. Um, so I definitely didn't have my best showing, but hitting wise, I felt great. I mean, I think, I think that's because during the rehab process, I was able to swing um, with no problem. So I was, I kept swinging the entire time, but defensively, you know, not being able to throw and obviously not playing games out there. I think that took a toll defensively. Yeah. And, and so you've, you've played second base. Some you played third base uh, a little bit. I have speculated that you may, as you continue to get bigger and stronger, you may eventually move to the outfield, but I, but I want you to, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to tell me why I'm dumb and wrong about that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it, from the outside looking in, I can see how you would, you would think that, you know, you know, I'm not opposed to it as long as I stay in the lineup. Um, for me, I think I can stick at second and third. And, you know, I talked to Alan Trammell after the fall league and we kind of talked about it. If we had a long conversation about my weight, my muscle mass, my mobility, my, you know, flexibility, my quickness. And, you know, we kind of decided that I, I don't think I need to get any bigger. I'm as big as I need to be and as strong as I need to be. I need to get quicker side to side movement and, uh, you know, be able to stick in the infield and, and play at a high level at a gold glove level. I'm going to need to be a little quicker and more agile. And so this off season, I was about 245 at the fall league, big buffed out, um, obviously not doing a lot of cardio for four months, just bodybuilding up in, in, in Lakeland or down in Lakeland and just getting huge ready for the fall league. Um, and this off season, I've really focused on cleaning up my diet, eating really healthy, um, just a lot of protein and, and just keeping my muscles shredding off a little fat. And I'm sitting around like 230 right now, 225, 230. And, you know, I can already tell a difference. I'm so much quicker and easy and it's easier to move and run and um, even swinging. I feel like I have a more um, aggressive and, and quick swing just because I have so much uh, or much less like, you know, turning side to side. I can use my arms more and stay inside the ball and manipulate the barrel. Um, so I think you guys will see a big difference this year. Um, uh, you know, a lot of guys, even my agent, you know, he was gone for a while and came back and he was like, man, you look, you look slimmer. Like I, I can see you playing second base this year a lot. I can see you play third base whenever you want, but outfield for for him and for me is out of the question, you know, as long as I stay like how I am and I can stay healthy at this weight, I don't see a problem with it, especially with my arm being back to hundred percent after my shoulder injury and maybe even a little better, like I can stick at third base. I can get the ball over there really well. And, you know, probably above average in the big leagues and be able to, you know, throw lasers across the infield. But I, I right now, unless they sign somebody at third base or second base or too many infielders, I don't see it happening. I, I can stay in the infield, but um, you know, if they do sign somebody, I just want them to give me the lineup. And cause for me, I'm a hitter first player and I feel like I can contribute to some wins. And that's one of those things too, where defensively, talk about your when you're out there taking the grounders and the approach. When you're working with Trammel, and there, there's any specific specific drills that you're like, you know what, I'm going to master this drill because this is something that's going to help me with my side to side range. So if I'm throwing on the run, I because we've seen Trammel a lot in Erie. I mean, I remember even seeing him at West Michigan. He was there. He was talking to everybody, and it seems like he he's just like it's like a 
has sort of profit baseball profit just teaching wisdom to everybody and, and talk about that a little bit in terms of just what defensive drills really this offseason really helped you um yeah i think for me and trammel um what we were working on is just taking ball taking ground balls um you know if they hit a slow roller treat it like a slow roller and throw it over there like the slow roller and just work on it because for me personally i slacked off defensively when my young younger years you know when i was in high school didn't take ground balls i'd go out there and take bp all day but no ground balls it just wasn't a priority for me and you know i had nobody reinforcing that it needed to be a priority but you know as soon as i got into detour system got around trammel got around angel baroa and you know it was just you know we need to get your defense in check and it's just taking ground balls taking ground balls every day you know i've taken I don't know how many, but thousands and thousands of ground balls this, this off, just this off season. Um, it's been my main focus and um, a person like me, I'm, I'm really determined and I'm really disciplined with that. And, you know, I'll continue to take those all through my career, you know, and it'll just stack on top of each other and I'll get better and better and better until I'm where I need to be. Awesome. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the off season. So you talked about slimming down, like, do you go through any of explosive drills? Like, are you doing a lot of box jump work? Are you doing broad jumps? Like, what what have you changed from this offseason from last offseason? Yeah, so this offseason, um, the workouts are pretty similar. You know, a lot of jumping, a lot of weighted um, band running type stuff. Um, we have this thing called a Vertimax where, you know, it's like this bungee cord thing. and you, you Basically, you move around and it just – strengthens around your hips and it makes them quicker and makes your calf muscles a little quicker. Um, a lot of sprint drills, running side to side, stuff like that. But, you know, I did all that last year, but my focus this year was a lot on my nutrition and I'm just eating, taking in a lot less calories, um, same amount of protein, just, you know, a lot cleaner stuff. So, you know, instead of, you know, I don't know, a 30 count or chicken nuggets at Chick-fil-A, I'd, I'd go home and, you know, cook chicken and rice and, maybe a steak and eggs. It's just not a lot of, uh, you know, fried food and not a lot of fat, just slimming down. Um, and I'd say I lost a little bit of muscle, but majority of the weight loss I've had is a lot of fat. Um, just trying to keep my core slim quick and be able to make those quick movements you need at third base and even on the base pass. No, I think Connor was saying that uh, he spied you posting a lot of pictures of steak on instagram <laughs> yeah oh yeah all the time I'm, I'm a big steak connoisseur i love i love steak it tastes the best but you know i get my fair share of chicken and fish and eggs in there but you know every i think about two or three times a week i have a big fat steak so nice we yeah, got a few in the there. fridge ready to go we were joking about uh nicknaming you colt beef <laughs> <laughs> um the, the, the one thing i wanted to uh to just discuss the last basically thing for me was uh just your general approach as a hitter. Uh, we, have, we have a buddy who was down there in Lakeland scouting, and he he kind of raised his eyebrows when he saw you the first, uh, I don't know, it felt like you were held back in extended spring for like a month maybe, maybe a couple mm -hmm. weeks. I don't remember. And then he saw you, and he was like, wow, this yeah, I'm really impressed with this kid. I like, I remember him saying distinctly that you were patient but not passive. Uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of curious how you approach uh, your plate appearances. Yeah, so again – me that first year to me now completely night and day different hitters um i think then i was so um 
I guess I would use the word, I was able to use my athleticism to be able to manipulate the barrel so well. I mean, I was using a really light and small bat and I, um, so I was late on everything. So I did that. And then as I played and got better and better, I think my first month in low A when I came out of extended spring was terrible. I was striking out too much. I was, wouldn't hit any balls any hard. Like I was just playing really passive, trying to get walked really. Um, and, you know, as I kept playing, I started to figure it out. I started being able to get hits. I I, what I figured out was I was able to get a hit on a fastball middle away over that shortstop every time. Whenever I wanted to, I was able to do that because I was able to stay on my backside. So I did that a lot, as much as I could. Um, you know, I took advantage and I didn't focus on power. I didn't focus on getting the ball over the fence because I just felt like it was so far away. I just wanted to do step by step and get my average above 200. Um, so it doesn't look so bad, but, um, you know, also, you know, not strike out with, you know, runners on scoring position at every game. And I'm batting second and third all the time lead off, um, you know, and I just wasn't performing and I felt terrible about it, hated it. So, you know, I just wanted to contribute to the team, get base hits. But now after that last season, I realized, you know, I'm looking at Austin Riley and Rafael Devers and the big leagues. And I'm like, I'm so far away. I need to do something to make a jump. And, uh, you know, that was my approach and my power. And what I did was I talked to Branson, Jeff Branson. He's one of our hitting coaches. And he said to expect, if a guy throws 95, expect a 99 mile per hour fastball down the middle, no matter what he's throwing. That way you'll be on time for everything. You'll be able to get the head out and, you know, you need to buy into he's going to throw 199 right here. And so I started doing that. And that's one thing that really stuck with me throughout my career. I stay with that. And you know, I was able to go into West Michigan the next year and start pulling baseballs hard, start putting backspin on baseballs to all parts of the field. And, you know, then there was an adjustment where I was too pulley, where I was coming out of the box, pulling to right field. So I made the adjustment where I can stay on it. And I was so early, I was able to recognize the baseballs now and I was able to hit them to the left, center, right, depending on what they were throwing. And, you know, I'd say if you wanted to simplify my approach, I'm just expecting fastball. If he throws a fastball, I'm going to hit it to right center, 450 feet. And if he throws a curveball, you know, I'm going to stay back, adjust and hit the ball hard. And, you know, that could go anywhere over the field. Um, and that that's my approach. That's it. It's that simple. I, and, you know, I love my athleticism and I let my work take over when I get in the box. I don't really think about it. And other than, you know, this guy's going to throw hard right here, be on time. That's it. I, I remember in May against when you guys were in Lansing and, you know, I think three for five or something along those lines, but that was the exact, there was a, a great example of that, that I think Lansing had that junk ball left-hander. I can remember that guy that was like throwing like 80, 83 or something mm-hmm. along the lines. I hate and that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so, but you were the, but I saw that from the first at bat to the last, you made an adjustments on the fly because the rest of the team struggled against that, but you were able to, and that's one of those things where as soon as you get out there, you're like, Oh, okay, this guy is going to, he's not going to give me anything good to hit. Great. I got to mm-hmm. deal with this 85 mile an hour. I don't know why he's doing that, but <laughs> at any rate, it's, it's one of those things where as soon as you get out on the plate and kind of visualize that, you still keep that vision in there despite whatever junk may be going up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with that guy, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. He, he ate us up every single time he pushed against us. Yeah. But, you know, we made adjustments as we went along. But, you know, we only face a guy so many times, especially a reliever. But, 
He um he topped about eighty five, yeah. and his junk was about forty miles per hour. I don't know how it's possible. It was floating in there. So you know when you think about it, he's really throwing ninety nine because when you're sitting on a sixty mile per hour curveball and he throws eighty five, that looks like a hundred. <laughs> like you you can't hit that. So what we started doing is we just shorted it up, stayed back, and uh, you know me personally. I sat, I sat 88, 89 mile per hour fastball ready for it. And then if you threw that floater in there, just stayed back and put a barrel on it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to equal home runs against that guy, but it's definitely going to get base hits and longer at bats. And you're not just going to strike out on three pitches. Um, you know, I think the team and, and, uh, you know, I think the team really took that approach and we ended up getting to him a couple of times, but, First couple of times he ate us up and the first couple of times he ate me up really hard, but I made that adjustment quick and so did the team. Yeah. But I, I think I, I mentioned this a couple of times on our show. The thing that approached me or impressed me most about you as, as a young hitter was the number of times I saw you hit like a really hard line drive, basically down the left field line, which is just something you don't see a lot of, of younger hitters go the opposite way with a uh, force like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, what, what you're saying, you know, waiting back and, and being able to hit the curveballs every direction, I think that's – I think that'll serve you well uh, no matter what level you're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those ones I hit down the left line, I'll tell you right now, they're they're by accident. They're not on purpose. <laughs> Just so we're on the same page. Like, well, I'm not that I'm not that good. But <laughs> when there's a guy and, and I'm surprised and I'm like, nope, that's a take, and then I'm like, oh, wait, that's going to be a strike. <laughs> and I just, I just, I'm so far back that I'm able to just put the barrel on it and I just shoot it down that left line. I've done it a couple of times. I know what you're talking about, but every time I'm, I'm usually like, where'd I go? Did I even, you know, did I put it in play? Was it a foul ball? And then I looked down the left foot line and that's where it went. Um, I think that's just a byproduct of, of my approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you said, I think it speaks to the barrel control, which is, mm -hmm. uh, which is impressive. Even if you're not meaning to do it, if you can yeah. make a mistake and still get a double, that's pretty good. Uh, we did have we got a Discord chat for Tigers fans, and, and one of the what well, you mentioned your bat, you you were using a small light bat or whatever. One of our, our people in there actually wanted to know what size bat you do you, you use. He said, "I'd be willing to bet he uses a thirty five inch bat." <laughs> no, no, I, I my first year I was a thirty three, thirty, which really small, um, especially for me being kind of taller. Um, it, it felt like a little toothpick or like a wet paper, wet, wet uh, newspaper trying to hit with it, nothing behind it. But now I used, and it was, it was actually a light, I guess you call it balance. So it felt lighter than it even should have. Now I use a 33 and a half, 31, and it's more end loaded type. So feels like a 34, um, but it, you know, it's a little shorter bat. So more barrel control for me, in my opinion, but you know, maybe as I progress, I use a bigger bat. I don't know. I I, I play around with a few 34s, but I think I always just end up using the 33 and a half where I'm comfortable with. And outside of baseball, last question: What do you what do you do when you're not uh, playing baseball? Are you are, are you a golfer? What kind of things kind of help you take away the focus? Uh, Parker Meadows has got me into golfing a little bit, so <laughs> we'll see this year. I don't know. Depending on who's on the team, I don't know. Um, when I was in the fall league, Gage got, or I mean, uh, Parker got me into golfing. So I liked it a little bit. It's expensive. It's tough. I get frustrated easy. And then I start swinging too hard, but it was fun. You know, I go out there with the boys, but 
you know, if there's ever like a stream or a pond available in Lakeland, there's a lot, you know, I go fishing a lot, um, bass fishing. There's a few guys that love bass fishing. Um, I do that, you know, I hang out with my fiance if she's in town. Um, a lot of, well, depending on how I feel, some video games here and there, um, some, some Fortnite, get some boys online from out, you know, I, I play, I'm play with a few guys from Utah, Arizona, Ohio. So we get, we get a little squad going and play that, but you know, other than that, just a lot of resting and a lot of eating. That's about it. Fun, fun fact about Erie. If you end up starting in Erie that uh, a lot of people from Pittsburgh go up to Erie to fish. So there's some pretty good spots in Erie where people fish. Um, I heard one, about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Greg Gagne, the Erie broadcaster told us about that. And it was strange to think that people would, vacation further but they call it up north up there if you will <laughs> yeah. but um um colt again thanks for taking the time to talk to us we really appreciate it and um hopefully the next couple of weeks before you get down the spring training and start getting you get some I, i'm sure you're eager to go man and we're looking forward to uh watching you play and it was again it was one of those things where chris and i it was it was watching a player of your age like i said for us i mean as far as i can remember we haven't seen anything like this and it's just, it's really, really great to see that how much you you're dedicated to the game. And um, again, we're just as, as, as evaluator, amateur elevators, whatever. Awesome. But it's just like fans. It's really, it's really exciting. Awesome guys. Thanks for having me and, you know, keep it the good work. I love watching you guys' Twitter and looking at all the tweets. They're interesting. It keeps me updated. So I love it. Appreciate it. Thanks again, Keith. Good night. Right, see you later. Cool. See you, Thank you guys. Yeah. All right, so that was Colt Keith, and I ended the broadcast saying Keith instead of Colt, but that was my intention. But thanks so much for everybody who gave us a question. Excuse me. Thanks to Adam on our Discord for the question. And so, yeah, that was Tigers infielder Colt Keith, and he's going to stay in the infield, gentlemen. Yeah, no, I I, I was very encouraged by that to to, to hear that he's uh, dedicated to doing that now, and and I mean that's I that would be ideal, right? You get a third baseman who can hit like that, that would be outstanding. So I'm, yeah, I'm happy to hear that. So far, the theme in our interview series is just excellent baseball knowledge and confidence. I love it so far. So I'm excited to see those two guys play this year. Yeah, me too. And and again, uh, one of the things that, if you haven't checked out our interview with Justin Malloy, Justin Henry Malloy, this is the reason why I subscribe to the channel. So please subscribe to not only Woodward Tigers, but to Tiger Miley Report. We want to get to a thousand and we a uh, thousand followers and more get out there. And of course, this is what our Patreon money goes towards us going and traveling around and be able to see these players. And again, watching Colt Keith play last year it early on was 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 awesome. And again, to, to be able to sustain that kind of ability at high A after you know, he let, in 2021, he got off to a slow start, but you can see the adjustments and you can see that stuff going. So, um, yeah. So if you want to check out the audio podcast for me, go over to Woodward Tigers and subscribe there as well. Thanks so much. And we'll have our regularly scheduled program for normal and have a good afternoon, everybody. Well, this is kind of, we recorded this this afternoon, but anyway, thanks for watching. <laughs>